Welcome to the OFR Farm Report, your look at the Atlanta Braves minor league system brought to you by OutfieldFlyRule.com, hosted by Andy Harris and Matt Kritzberg. Hey everybody, welcome to the OFR Farm Report podcast. I am Andy Harris and with me is my co-host, Matt Kritzberg. Matt, how are you doing? Things are going pretty well right now. As we happen to record, we are watching a game in which the Braves are winning, which always makes it a more enjoyable session for us. Uh, as we speak, there, we are leading 8 to nothing in the seventh inning of Monday night's game. So things are going well, and hopefully things are going well on the farm as well. It's been an enjoyable game. It looks like, knock on wood, the uh, five-game losing streak that the Braves have uh, – have run themselves into is going to go by the wayside here. So things are looking very, very good. Um, lots of home runs, you know, and this is, this is what this offense is, right? It's, it's home runs. They need to hit them in order to consistently, you know, put up, put up crooked numbers. Yeah. Cause old style baseball, uh, the get the runners on, bunt them over, get a sack fly. That kind of stuff hasn't worked with this team. <laughs> yeah. It may work in small doses, and uh, I know Ronald Acuna seems to be in, in, enjoying uh, getting these little two-strike singles up the middle and, and stuff like that, and it's and it's great that he's able to do that. But uh, overall, this team needs to hit dingers to to have uh, the kind of success we kind of are expecting for them. But um, it's a it's been a fun game to watch, and uh, Spencer Strider's been particularly impressive. Yeah, boom, Matt Olson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so we will monitor that over the course of this uh, uh, recording, and then, uh, and I don't know, maybe talk about it. But mostly, we talk about the minor leagues, Matt. So uh, let's dive into that. Um, this was a kind of an interesting week in the minor leagues. Um, a guy who's who was off to a little bit of a, a difficult start, um, and after a really good spring, uh, missed some games with injuries and then just really exploded this past week in, in shortstop Braden Shoemake. He was our OFR player of the week. And with Grissom struggling defensively and a little bit offensively, he's getting his hits, but they're they're mostly singles, not a lot of damage. Um, I just wanted to ask you, do you think there's a possibility, while they're still waiting for our Orlando Arcia to – uh, return from that uh, microfracture in his wrist. Is there any possibility you think they may make a switch with uh, Grissom and Shoemake? I don't see it. I, I mean, I, I know Grissom's having kind of having a rough time right now, but there's no reason not to play him at shortstop right now. Um, I, I mean, Adrian's obviously got the start this evening, but I think that was just to get him in the lineup and get the cobwebs off his batting glove. But I, I think Grissom, as long as he's faring well offensively, I think he'll be able to stay in the lineup. They just can't afford to have him be bad offensively and defensively. So they're just willing to put up with the glove for the time being. But I think we're starting to be a little, see a little bit why at the end of spring training that they decided to go with Arcia rather than one of the two youngsters, because obviously he was the, the most ready of the bunch, but uh, it's, it's been interesting to see how Shoemaker is faring at Gwinnett so far. He, he's had some ups and downs this season. Then he got hurt for a couple of games. He got hit on the throwing hand with a uh, batted ball, but uh, he, he missed a couple of games at the end of uh, the previous series, but he came back this week with a uh, huge vengeance. And uh, his last five games, he's 10 for 21, 
three doubles, two home runs, um, five stolen bases. That's that's kind of an interesting uh, wrinkle to his game because he's never been a big base dealer, but uh, he's certainly taken advantage this season. He's uh, stolen five bases in the last week and already has eight for the season. So that's a interesting wrinkle in his game. Yeah, it's um, quite a week, and maybe if there, he strings together a couple more of them, I I, I agree with you. By the way, I, I don't I don't see a switch out happening anytime soon. And we've talked about the changes that he's made to his swing and how ultimately we think they're going to be positive, uh, but just hasn't really shown up consistently in his performance. If he can do that now, if his if his if his performance actually maintains this now obviously he's not going to hit 500 right um but i'm, I'm talking about just a consistent high be a league average performance. Say, be yeah. a league league average bat if he's a 100 wrc plus with that defense that's a mm-hmm. solid league regular yeah you know at that point then you then you discuss you know is he is he an improvement over arcia right um but um but he's not there yet right no. But um, I don't know that it got me thinking just, uh, you know, seeing Grissom not in the lineup today. And, and and I agree with you. It's probably just a matter of, you know, what Adrian's is barely played. We need to get him, get him in there at least a little bit to, you know, make sure his joints are oiled and his, uh, <laughs> you know, just, he can still swing the bat. Yeah, I think in the case of Shoemaker, it, it, it's everything we've discussed in the past. It's consistency and it's health. It seems like every time he gets on some kind of a roll, he'll get dinged up, he'll get hurt, and mm. then if he comes back, it's it's back to having a slow start again to get uh, kind of wound back up. But, uh, I'm just really hoping to get a, a year of good health out of him to see what he can really do. Yeah. All right, and another bit of news that uh, came out today. Um, so Michael Soroka, he's he's had some pretty good outings here for uh, Gwinnett, and um, he was almost our pitcher of the week. Uh, AJ Smith Shaver and his nine strikeouts and four and a third kind of just just beat him out. But um, Soroka is not going to make his schedule start. Instead of he'd been. He'd been starting on Tuesdays for uh, Gwinnett, and instead they're going to push him back, it looks like, to Sunday. So that's going to be 11 days between starts for him. And according to beat reporters, the Braves are doing that because, and there goes the no-hitter. All right. Uh, Okay. Sorry. Sorry, (laughs) folks. Um, uh, Strider is going to now go for the shutout, I assume. So, uh, Braves winning eight to nothing and in the eighth and the Marlins just got their first hit, a single solid single to left. All right. Uh, what was I talking about? Soroka. Uh, Soroka. <laughs> another guy who's a, pre- another guy who's a pretty good pitcher. Yeah. He, he Sor- Soroka hangs in there. So, and the, and the Braves explanation for that is they just want to make sure that, he's fully healthy and ready to go when they need him and they expect him to pitch in October. So um, we were talking before, before Matt, and you mentioned that you think that once Soroka's up, he's probably up to stay. Yeah. And there's no crying need because uh, I mean, for the first time this season, the starting rotation is 
reasonably healthy. You've got five starters in there, and the way Bryce Elder is pitched, he's not going to be sent down anytime soon. I think he's pitched well enough to where, let's say, if he has a bad start and only goes three innings in his next start, it's not going to get him bumped down to Gwinnett. I think he'd have to have a little bit of a run of bad starts in order for that to happen. So they've got some room. They got some runway with Mike, Michael Soroka. And like last week, of course, he'd been starting on Tuesdays. I thought they might try to get to where he's starting to get, begin to start every five days where he would get the bookend starts of the week on Tuesdays and Sundays. But with the weather in Omaha this week being pretty cool, I don't think it hardly ever top 50 degrees the whole time they were there. I think that they were trying, I figured they may have been trying to be careful with his health and like not work, try to, um, mess with his legs or anything in that cold weather it's like okay we'll just wait and start him when they get back home on tuesday and then when it's revealed today that he won't be starting at home on tuesday that'd be sunday and it's all that 11 days it's like there's something up here unfortunately it's not the version of it where he's heard it's, it seems like they're just trying to kind of save their bullets for the season i'm guessing they'll be throwing he'll be throwing like simulated games or something like that in between in a controlled environment to kind of keep them fresh and during that 11 day period so i think that's uh the way they're going to proceed with that and I think if it comes to a point where somebody gets injured or ineffectiveness, that he could very well be the next man up now. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be much longer for him. <laughs> I, I, after the, the uh, start before last, I felt like he had maybe two starts in AAA before they brought him up. And I, I can still kind of feel that way. Um, and I don't know where he fits in. It might just be, hey, you're not going to bring him up. Maybe we go six man for a little while. Uh, I just noticed Kyle Wright still has an option. Um, <laughs> I just throwing that out there. Uh, I don't think the Braves are ready to do something that like that yeah. yet. But um, um, you know, the, the fact is, Wright's performance has not been all that great since he came up. He's had. I think three starts. One was pretty solid. The other two were pretty shaky. I, I think he's still feeling the effects of not having a full spring training. Yeah, that and uh, another possibility is if let's say they need a doubleheader pitch sometime down the line, they can bring Soroka up as the twenty seventh man and then just send him right back out again. So that would be a possible scenario as well. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so it's. As the uh, as the cliche goes, it's a good problem to have, right? So, uh, w- w- having too many good pitchers is never, ever, ever a problem. Yeah, and I think the key is, it's like, is he ahead of the line, ahead of Schuster and Dodd now? And I think he, if he's not there yet, he's pretty close. Oh, I, I think I think it's not even close. I think I think he's well ahead of them, and um, yeah, I I, I suspect the. The depth chart after the five that are up right now are Soroka, Dodd, and Schuster in that order. Yeah, um, uh, and Soroka's last art, he uh, on last Tuesday he went six shutout innings, uh, gave up four hits, um, two walks, went ninety one pitches. That that's kind of the sign right there. It's like okay, he's he's real close now. I mean, this is one of the one these he threw sixty five, seventy five pitches. He's built up now, and whatever trouble he did have, he uh, he both the uh, hitters he walked were in the first inning, and he calmed down after that and it seems like it's been that way his last couple of starts so uh once he gets past that first inning it's almost like he's in a groove from there yeah uh sounds like uh colin McHugh will be activated uh tomorrow on tuesday presumably whether you think the corresponding move will be danny young Danny Young, unless there's some kind of mystery injury like that that we didn't know anything about let's say joe jimenez or kirby yates get some kind of 
oddball injury we haven't heard anything about to give them a 15-day vacation. Yeah, the lack of usage of Jimenez has been pretty strange, and I, and I wonder if he's dealing with maybe a little something. Yeah, I've got kind of wondering the same thing because you can only have so many low leverage arms on your staff, and it seems like there's several guys that are in that role right now. I mean, Michael Tonkin has moved in line ahead of both um, of those guys between uh, Yates and Jimenez. So I, I kind of wonder if something like that might be on the rise because Young's done it. I mean, he, he did give up a, um, a pretty bad hit yesterday in Sunday's game um, to get that out of hand, but I think he's pitched at least solidly since he's been up, and I wouldn't be surprised if they kept him around for a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, there's, there's something going on with the Menez. I mean, they brought him in here to be a high leverage guy, right? He was a closer for the Tigers last year. I mean, he, you know, he's put up good numbers. So I, I don't know. It, it's he clearly right now at, at the minimum does not have Brian Snicker's trust. No. <laughs> um, but, um, but I, I wonder if there's, you know, a uh, medical reason for it. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see him hit that 15-day IL, but uh, they do need another solid arm like McHugh back in the bullpen. I know he had a couple of issues early on before he went hit the injured list, but he was the same way in March and April of last year. So I'm not, he's, he's one of the guys I'm least worried about. Just need to get him right and uh, get him in the game. And it, I believe in the game in Rome the other night, I think he pitched three innings, which is kind of unusual. But uh, Four innings. Uh, he went four innings. He went over <laughs> 60 pitches. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was at that game with with my wife, and we were both kind of like, "He's coming out again." Okay, <laughs> that's interesting. Wow, and so, it, it, which was great. He didn't give up any runs, and uh, that was the only win for Rome last week. So, <laughs> so uh, thank you, Colin McHugh, for <laughs> helping write the ship briefly. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and I suspect that's why he wasn't activated today. He could have been activated today, but um, after throwing sixty pitches, give him give him three days rest at least. That's what that's kind of the the odd part about it. It's like, what kind of role do they have in mind for him? That's that's not a guy you're going to treat. That's going to be your seventh, eighth inning guy. <laughs> that's a guy that's like, okay, he's going to pitch three three innings in the middle of the game. Yeah, maybe they're planning on piggybacking him with Kyle Wright. Oh, it's very possible because <laughs> they really ha- don't really have anybody in that role right now. I mean, Jesse Chavez would be the guy you would think be in there, but he seems to be a guy that Snit wants to use in the seventh inning these days. Yeah, so we will see. One other guy, and I'm sure we'll – pardon me if you were going to mention him in the in the Gwinnett piece, but um, Yaxel Rios, we talked about him a little bit last week. He continues to kind of be a dominant late inning reliever for Gwinnett. His stuff looks fantastic, like um, like major league fantastic. And uh, I don't know where there's a spot for him right now, but I've got to think they're going to make room for him at some point. Yeah, I think the biggest issue with him is he doesn't have any options. So when he comes up, they better make sure that they have a role for him and not just leave him to kind of rot the bullpen and pitch twice a week. Um but he's got the kind of stuff that it's, is he a guy you might want to see in the seventh, eighth inning of a game. And I think he very well could be. I mean, he's throwing 100 miles an hour. There was one of the um, stat cast things they put up for AAA the other night for the five fastest pitches of the previous night. And I think he was four out of the five pitches. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he's that guy right now. Um, it's interesting. To, I, I'll be honest. I didn't think anything about his signing over the, uh, the off season. <laughs> yeah. It was okay. Here's, here's another, another veteran arm for Gwinnett. That's nice. But, uh, 
but he's uh, really come on. I mean, I've had like people asking me about him, right? I mean, all the way back from when he was uh, pitching in the WBC, people saw him and it was like, oh, he's with the Braves. That's a training. I don't know anything about him. Hey, yeah, Andy, that- what do you know about Yaxel Rios? <laughs> <laughs> and that seems to be kind of what springboarded him. I mean, because that that's about as high pressure environment as you can get during that time of year. And he pitched very well during the WBC. And it just kind of, it's, I mean, he was pitching well before that. And it seems to have really carried over. And I mean, he's up to eight appearances and nine and two thirds innings. And he hasn't given up much of anything as of yet. So I, I don't think he's going to be that far down the line. And I kind of wonder, uh, depending on what happens with, with Yates and Jimenez, if he might come in and, kind of bump one of them off to the side here in the not too distant future because they need some and i know uh rossell iglesias is going to be seems like he might be back in the not too distant future but um they need some high leverage arms in that bullpen it seems like they're going to the same guys night after night they're starting to kind of wear down a little bit between dylan lee and nick anderson and aj mentor yeah yeah i I think you know mentor you know had a had a bad blown save on sunday and i think it's just he, he's a guy that just works better, you know, with um, space between his outings, right? If you try to put him out there too much, it's it, it exposes him, right? Yeah, yeah. He's not really a guy you can go to on back-to-back nights. And they got a couple of guys. I mean, Nick Anderson, I mean, he's still – I mean, he's seems like he's back from his injury almost all the way, but he's not a guy you also want to use too frequently either. Well, I mean, and then you got – they're not – they're, you know, he's coming back from an injury, which means he's not used to being used that much, right? He, he's got to be, you know, hopefully eased into it a little bit, but circumstances have forced the Braves to utilize him more. Um, it's still an incredibly talented bullpen, and I think ultimately it'll all be, it'll all shake out, be fine. I think you, you throw uh, Iglesias and McHugh back in this thing, and it's, you know, every everything kind of reasserts right um and, and everything will be fine just like the rest of the team i this you know five game losing streak wasn't really something i imagined would happen with this team but now it's happened i'm like kind of shrugging my shoulders and still thinking eh, i i think they're they're going to be okay yeah this this isn't like flashing warning signs and red lights or anything like that i don't see anything like that it's just let's, let's just get everybody healthy get them back on the field and they'll do what they can do all right are we ready to uh go through the affiliates let's do that talked about uh streak the Braves being on losing streak earlier uh the minor league teams have been on somewhat of losing streaks themselves but uh Gwinnett uh had a good week on the winning streak side uh they went into Omaha this week uh it's kind of it was kind of a weird series I mean it's pretty cold this time of year in Omaha and I don't think it hardly got above 50 degrees the entire time they were there so uh but somehow Gwinnett managed to win the first five games in the series. They got a lot of really good pitching and the bats came to life a little bit. I know they're kind of depleted offensively right now because some of their bats are in Atlanta, but uh, things went pretty well this week, especially from the starting standpoint. Uh, Talked about Mike Soroka's start on Tuesday where he pitched very well. Uh, Bo Burrows um, got one start in Mississippi, found his way to Gwinnett. He pitched uh, five innings, gave up just two runs in his first start for Gwinnett. Uh, Jared Schuster had a really oddball start on Thursday. 
He only pitched three innings. Uh, he didn't give up but one unearned run, but he walked five and struck out one, which is really, really not very Jared Schuster-like, and I'm thinking the, the cold probably had some things to do with that. Uh, he threw 79 pitches over those three innings, and they just kind of pulled the plug on him at that point. I mean, he, he did keep things under control, but it's just not, not one of his typical outings. Um, the following night on Friday, uh, Alan Winans uh, had another really good start. Uh, Gibbs gave up one run over six innings, uh, struck out six and walked one. Um, his one run allowed being on a home run. I think he's working his way into the possible mix as well. I don't know what kind of role he would have in, in Atlanta, but he's been pretty solid this year for Gwinnett, at least up to this point. Dylan Dodd had another really good start. Uh, he, he had a lot of traffic on the base path with four hits and four walks over six innings, but he gave up just two runs um, on a home run and threw 94 pitches. So he had a good start as well. And then uh, on Sunday, Nick Margavicious um, made his, uh, his first start for Gwinnett. Uh, he's just going to be kind of minor league depth. I don't think they're expecting a whole lot out of him. Uh, three innings, three runs on eight hits. So he had a lot of traffic on the base pass, and uh, his start ended pretty quickly on Sunday. Now, I think you meant to say Gwinnett ace Alan Winans. Oh, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, maybe he'll be World World Series starter Alan Winans. <laughs> okay. Maybe not. And, and a game update the bases, bases loaded are cleared on an Ozzy Albies triple. It is 11 to nothing Braves. I think we got yeah. this one. Yeah. I think you are right. And you're about one or two plays on my TV, so you're telling me before I saw it. Well, it's funny. I had game day on, which is ahead of my TV, too, so that's funny. <laughs> All right. Uh, going to the bullpen, uh, we discussed uh, Yaxel Rios a minute ago. He had three appearances over the week, uh, totaling three and two-thirds innings, got two saves on the week. Um, like we talked about, he's just been super impressive this season. Uh, another uh, newcomer uh, just came up from Mississippi, Kyle Wilcox. Um I think there's something going on here that they're eyeballing him as well because he made a pretty quick promotion for Mississippi and he's he already got into games for Gwinnett and and he, they used him on back to back nights which is really rare for relievers in this environment. Um, the first uh, appearance he made, he was three up, three down on a scoreless inning. The next next outing, not as good, uh, two walks, but didn't allow any hits or runs. So another scoreless inning there. So um, this guy throws a hundred miles an hour. I mean, he, he he's got. I saw him a couple times at Mississippi last year. He's got some really good stuff. Um, he was just coming back from Tommy John surgery last season. Uh, he missed uh, all of 2020 and 2021 due to COVID and uh, Tommy John surgery, and he just started coming back last season. Uh, command was awful last year. I mean, he was basically walking. I think he, it's actually like almost a hitter in inning, but uh, he seems to have overcome that por- portion of the Tommy John recovery, and he just really lights out right now. So I think he's another guy I could possibly keep an eye on to maybe make an appearance in Atlanta this season. Uh, another guy you uh, talked about uh, the last couple of weeks, uh, Rodri Munoz. Um, he, in his first week in Gwinnett, he did pretty well um, in relief, but it seems like this time he had two two inning appearances. He, he didn't give up any runs in his first appearance over two innings, but he did walk two. His second appearance, he gave up one run over two innings, and he walked two again. So four innings this week, and he walked four. So not a, not a great week, and he only struck out one just kind of getting his feet wet at Gwinnett, but I don't think they're counting on him for anything anytime soon, but uh, it would be nice to see him kind of uh, get on his game a little bit, but just got to remember he's on the 40 man roster and he could be called up at any time. 
All right, moving on to the hitters at Gwinnett. Um, we discussed earlier about uh, Braden Shoemake was our OFR position player of the week. He had a tremendous week. Hit 385, uh, 429, 731. Had five stolen bases, uh, three doubles, two home runs, and just a tremendous week. Uh, and that's with starting the week with an 0 for 5 on Tuesday. So <laughs> take that 0 for 5 out and the numbers get even better. Uh, looking at some of the other players, our Forrest Wall has uh, continued to do well in the leadoff spot. Uh, the batting average isn't great, but he's getting on base a whole lot. Uh, hit 286, 348 with a 619 slugging for the week. Hit for a cycle for the week. He had two doubles, a triple, and a home run to go along with two stolen bases and scored five runs. So he's doing uh, definitely doing a really good job uh, at the top of the lineup for uh, the Gwinnett Stripers. And looking at some of the other players, uh, they got a new player this week, uh, Nick Solak. They got him. They claimed him off waivers uh, from the Chicago White Sox and filled in uh, their last 40-man spot. He had a solid first week for Gwinnett. Went 7 for 24, uh, had a couple of home runs. Um, he's probably mainly going to be depth in the outfield, and I think he could still play a little bit of second base, but I don't think that's what they're counting on him for. They're just trying to get a little bit of power out there and get a little more depth in the organization. But uh, he's certainly somebody who can deepen this uh, Gwinnett lineup. Yeah, and he's had a lot of major league experience with Seattle, um, including I think he was up a whole season in, in 2021. So an interesting pick. It reminds me a little bit of the Sam Hilliard pickup, a guy who you know has had a lot of success at the AAA level and not really had you know a lot of success at the major league level. And I, I wonder if they think they can unlock something there. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. It can't hurt to have some extra. I mean, it seems like a lot of the guys they have there at AAA right now are all the same kind of guy. You've got Forrest Wall, Magnair, Sierra, Justin Dean, who are like good defense, good speed, but not a whole lot behind the bat. And I think that's a guy, uh, so like kind of varies that formula a little bit and gives them a little bit of beef in the lineup. Yeah, with uh, Eli White being up in the majors and Jordan Luplaw, you know, abandoning ship after <laughs> after a week <laughs> um it, it, yeah you're right it's uh it's gives the uh offense a little bit of a different look and so yeah i think that was a solid pickup that does it for the gwinnett stripers and now we will move on to mississippi The week Mississippi was on a pretty long losing streak coming into the week, and they extended that streak by losing their first four games of the week against the Montgomery Biscuits. Uh, they had some offense the first couple games of the week, scoring five and seven runs in their first two games, but losing them all because they gave up eight and ten runs. Then they were shut out over the next two games, but then they uh, righted the ship a little bit later in the week. One second game of Saturday's doubleheader, six to two, courtesy of a walk-off grand slam by Jacob Pearson, and then took a 3-2 win on Sunday to salvage two of the six games of the week and running their record up to 5-10 and 10 for the season. The starting rotation is kind of a mixed bag for the week. They didn't really allow many runs, but they also didn't go very deep into games either. Uh, Domingo Robles, in his first start of the week, went three innings, gave up two earned runs. But in the second one, he rebounded, went five innings with just one earned run. During the middle of the week, Alan Rangel, he pitched okay. I mean, he gave up just one run over five innings, but it's just always the same formula with him. He'll get a lot of strikeouts, and he'll give up long balls. But fortunately, the one he gave up this week uh, in his start, he, it was a solo shot, so it didn't cause any real amount of damage. 
Uh, Tanner Gordon, he's kind of a hit and miss this week. I mean, over, over the season so far, he'll have a really good start. Then he'll have a really poor start and just kind of alternate. But in this week, it was a good start as he went six innings, just gave up one earned run, striking out seven and walking just one. So it was a really good start for him. A uh, couple of uh, other ones, Scott Blewett. Came in for his first start for Mississippi. He gave up just one run, but he only pitched three in the third innings. And Luis Diavila, in his start of the week, he didn't give up any earned runs, but gave up two earned earned runs and over three innings of work. So they did have a doubleheader on uh, Saturday. So that's the reason for the shorter start from Blue Ed to Diavila. And the bullpen uh, had some couple guys wanted to mention. Alec Barger, he's had a really good season so far. Um, he had two two-inning scoreless appearances striking out five over those uh, four innings and getting a win out of one of those games. So a uh, good week for him. Victor Vodnik had a one good start and one, I'm sorry, one good appearance and one bad appearance. The bad appearance was the first one of the week he had. Uh, he only recorded two outs, gave up four runs, just had base runners all over the place, just didn't have any kind of command whatsoever. But the second outing uh, went much better, inning in two-thirds. Um, no hits, no runs, walked just one hitter. Over those two in the third innings, he's you know, got only got three strikeouts. So we're not seeing the strikeout stuff from him right now. And I think it's just still kind of a hit-and-miss process for Vodnik right now. But it is good that he's staying healthy, and hopefully he'll continue to do so and improve as the season goes along. Uh, another uh, really hit-and-miss this week, Trey Riley. He's just Either he has a really good appearance or a really awful appearance. Uh, his first appearance of the week, he went two innings, gave up two runs, both on home runs. <laughs> Uh, not great there. And then, but his second outing of the week, he pitched one inning and struck out all three fit batters he faced. So I'm guessing you saw a lot of that when he was at Rome. He's, if he knows where the ball's going, things are going very well. But when he doesn't, things go south very, very quickly. It's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde with him. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's either, it's either, wow, this guy's amazing or just put blindfold <laughs> on because you don't. <laughs> Oh, by the way, we have a final. It is uh, Braves 11, Marlins 0 final. Uh, Joe Jimenez came in and got the <laughs> final three outs. Uh, not quite a save situation, but there is a Joe Jimenez appearance, and he did he did a nice job. I think this would be the very definition of low leverage. <laughs> Just a little, yeah. The lowest of low leverage. <laughs> All right, moving on to the Mississippi hitters. Cody Milligan uh, still doing well in the leadoff spot. Not quite as good this week, but uh, he had um, got hits in four out of the five games he played in this week. Had a double, a couple of stolen bases. And uh, his second game of the week was the one that was really good. He was two for three, three runs scored, and recorded three walks as well. So he got on base five times during that particular game. Um, Cal Conley, um, not a great overall week, but he did record a single hit in each of the five games he played in this week and had two stolen bases. Um, and as I mentioned earlier about Jacob Pearson, it was a really weird week for him because he was two for 10 with seven strikeouts with two, three strikeout games, but his two hits really meant something for the week. One of them was the first hit of the week was on Saturday in the second game of the doubleheader. We hit the walk-off grand slam and then on Sunday he hits a triple unfortunately he got stand stranded on third base and didn't get the score on that one but uh kind of an interesting week for Mr. Pearson not to, not to mention he started the week getting bumped down from Gwinnett to Mississippi so <laughs> yeah because they were they got overloaded on outfielders in a hurry in fact I think he was the uh victim of the Nick Solak appearance in Gwinnett <laughs> exactly uh Andrew Moritz um didn't play a whole lot this week got into four games but had a 
one a one hit, two hit, and three hit game uh, during that time with a triple for the week. So nice going there. And of course, Drew Lugbauer doing his Drew Lugbauer thing, one for sixteen for the week with a double and eleven strikeouts. <laughs> yeah, mm, like, that's a little think. a little too Lugbauer this week. I think. Yeah, I think that's peak Lugbauer or Valley Lugbauer, whichever way you want to look at it. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll keep the Rome wrap up kind of uh, short because, quite frankly, it was an awful week for them. Uh, they dropped five out of six games at home against Hudson Valley Renegades, uh, the Yankees farm system. Uh, I mentioned before I was there on Friday. Lots of scouts in attendance. Uh, the Braves and the Yankees, of course, expected to be contenders and expected to be active at the trade deadline. So no doubt teams are updating all their profiles for all these players. The uh, star of the week for Rome, catcher Adam Zabrowski has been on an absolute tear. Uh, This week he went seven for 18, had two doubles, a homer, and knocked in seven. Uh, I was um, witness of two, I think five of those seven uh, in that one game that McHugh started on Friday. Um, one was a ba- the bases loaded double was an absolute missile that was um, that w- went straight to the back wall and I think if the wall wasn't there it would have just keep going on a line for another mile or two and then uh, he also hit a uh, solo homer in that game so pretty impressive work um, Drake Baldwin his catching partner uh, who had been hot kind of slowed down he he actually sat out a couple games which makes me think he might have been nursing something, but uh, he was back by the end of the week. They brought up a organizational catcher, Wiston uh, Serrato, um, as a third catcher, which makes me think they may be planning on maybe doing some two catcher lineups where one's a catcher and one's a DH, uh, just to keep them both uh, in the in the lineup regularly. Um, yeah. Go ahead. I was going to say, I just have to mention Zabrowski because he's one of my fantasy catchers. Hmm. <laughs> Well, he was clearly inspired by your choice of him because uh, he went off. A couple outfielders, um, Braden Parker and another guy that you picked, Stephen Paolini. Uh, really nice job. Um, three for 11, four for 12, both of those guys. Colin McHugh was, uh, you know, had his uh, four and two thirds. I, I think I said four innings. He actually went four and two thirds. He almost went through five. Uh, gave up gave up some base runners in that last inning, uh, thanks to some uh, questionable Rome defense, and um, and had to come out. Uh, I guess sixty was his pitch limit. I don't know why that was his pitch limit, but there you have it. Um, and then uh, Roldy Munoz came in and, and did a really nice job in relief that game. In fact, he had two appearances last week, uh, both of them scoreless. He struck out five over the, over the course of those two weeks. So uh, uh, my pick, Roldy Munoz, uh, doing, a, doing a really nice job. Uh, best start of the week, though, however, was our OFR Pitcher of the Week, uh, A.J. Smith-Shaver. Uh, only went four and a third, but only allowed two hits. Uh, shutout innings, uh, struck out nine Um just two starts so far this year, kind of short starts, which, you know, mirrors pretty much the rest of the organization. But uh, so far, high A has not been much of a hurdle for Mr. Smith-Shaver. 
Yeah, it's, it's going to be fun to watch him throughout the season. I don't think they're in any hurry whatsoever to move him up, and I think he'll get, if not a full year, he'll get pretty close to it, I think, at Rome. And it's going to be fun to see him uh, develop over the season, especially as he gets that third pitch of his, that curveball going. Yeah, I can't wait to see him live. I've just missed him by one day twice now. So hopefully next time is a charm. All right, moving on down I-20 to Augusta, um, actually, and then north to Myrtle Beach because that's where the Green Jackets played last week. The Jackets ran um, kind of a off and on series against Myrtle Beach, uh, but all of them pretty much were really close games and they alternated win losses pretty much all week. Um, unfortunately, with the rain out, uh, it was Myrtle Beach winning three games and Augusta two games. So they'll return home to Colum- to uh, face Columbia on Tuesday. Um, it's interesting to see what they're doing with the rotation. We talked extensively about that rotation last week. Um, it, and we mentioned that there seem to be some opportunities for piggybacking and, and maybe switching some guys in and out. And that's in fact, what happened. Uh, Cedric de Grand Prix got his first start of the week with Didier Fuentes, who made the start last week, um, piggybacking him. Um, both of them did really well. Uh, de Grand Prix, four innings, only one hit, no runs, struck out six. And uh, Fuentes followed him up with three innings, only allowing one run on two hits. So, um, unfortunately, they, the Jackets ended up losing that game 2-1. The following game, they flipped the, the uh, score. They won 2-1, and it was just a piggyback, piggyback, piggyback. Um, Seth Keller went three innings in the start, two hits, no runs, one strikeout. That was followed by three innings from Giancarlos Lara, one hit, one run, two walks, four strikeouts, and then finished up with uh, Adam Shoemaker, who didn't give up anything, zero runs, zero hits, uh, struck out one, and picking up his first professional save. So congratulations, Adam Shoemaker, on that. On the other hand, Spencer Schwellenbach uh, had his most difficult start. Uh, A lot of it wasn't his fault. The defense was very questionable behind him. Uh, But uh, in the end, he gave up uh, three runs. The following night was Owen Murphy night and once again put on an impressive outing. Short again, three and a third, but only two hits. Struck out five. He's working both a slider and a curveball, it looks like. Um, it's kind of fun watching him and Smith Shaver pitch uh, back-to-back days because there's a lot of similarities to though Smith Shaver throws a lot harder. Um, you know, Murphy's uh, fastball is a, you know, has a little bit more movement. So it's uh, interesting comparing and contrasting those two guys. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Saturday got rained out. So J.R. Ritchie got moved back to Sunday. And for the first time, really, since he turned pro, he kind of got hit hard. Uh, gave up six runs, five earned. And um, we'll just forget about that. He'll be fine next time. Yeah, he pitched, he pitched well early in the start. And it just that, that was in the fourth inning, I believe, where everything just yeah, absolutely yeah. snowballed for him. But it's got one of those learning experiences and he's going to get in full season ball and that's nothing in the long run. That's going to be a good experience for him. That's right. 
And Jorge Bautista, who had been the scheduled starter on Sunday, ended up piggybacking him. Uh, he went three innings, allowing two runs. So um, that was really the only game that wasn't close. All the other games were one-run games. Uh, offensively, the uh, the Jackets were really uh, stymied by uh, Pelican pitching. Uh, the one exception really was David McCabe, again, the third baseman there. Five for 18, double homer, three walks. Um, we had a write-up on on the uh, outfieldflyrule.com on the uh, written farm report about the Augusta Green Jackets roster. Um, you know, McCabe is, other than the two catchers, is the oldest player on the team. And I just, I'd question how much longer he's going to be in Augusta. I honestly, I thought he was going to start in Rome and was surprised a little bit that he started in Augusta. Um, it's not like there, there's a third baseman in Rome right now that is stopping him right now. Corey Acton and, uh, Keyshawn Augins are kind of splitting the position with Acton getting most of the playing time right now. Um, and neither one, neither one of those guys are, are McCabe's caliber. So, um, I, I would suspect maybe around May 1st that they go ahead and make that move, but we'll see. Um, other than McCabe, come of the, a couple of the part-timers did okay. Dawson Dimon, uh, two for eight from behind the plate. Uh, and outfielder Ethan Workinger um, had a double, three walks. Um, but uh, otherwise, a very pedestrian week for the Augusta Green Jackets offense. Um, so they will host their rival, Columbia Fireflies, this week and hopefully turn that around. Well, Matt, is there anything else you'd like to talk about? Nope, just another interesting week on the farm, uh, especially at the highest level and the very lowest level. So uh, I think the Mike Soroka thing, that's the one that's the thing that we're really going to keep an eye on because I think that's the most interesting um, thing which happened for the week. So I think another good week and just keep on rolling. All right. Well, I hope everybody keeps on rolling and has a great week. All right, have a good one. No. Le bien qu'on m'a fait, ni le mal, tout ça m'est bien égal. Non, rien de rien. Non, je ne regrette rien. C'est payé. Mes chagrins, mes plaisirs, je n'ai plus besoin de balayer les amours avec leur trémolo, balayer pour toujours, je repars à zéro. Bien qu'on m'appelle, ni le mal.